Welcome to Season 4, Episode 9 of Grace or Grit. This is a podcast intended to address difficult, controversial, and debatable issues related to the Bible and the church. I'm your host, Dave Talley. I serve as a pastor at Grace Baptist Church in Herlock, Maryland. And joining me for the podcast from the continent of Africa in the Gambia is my co-host, Patrick Reed. Patrick, how are you? How have you been? I'm doing pretty well. How have you been? Doing great. It's been, uh, I think, a little over a month, if if, I'm, if my memory serves me correctly, since our last podcast. So a lot of water under the bridge here in the U.S. We had a good week of camp for the Delmarva Baptist Fellowship. And uh, Tanya and I, as I'm the official director, but she's the brains behind the operation, uh, as as directors, we uh, were pleased with what God did there. And then we got our daughter Amber moved off to Lynchburg. Not her first year of college, but she took her her bed and dresser with her this time, so her room was completely empty when she left. So that was a bit emotional. So things are quiet around here, and we're looking for the fall now. Yeah, it sounds good. It's just been uh, it's been rainy here and quite wet hard to get things done hard to get around because the roads are flooded half of the time but uh yeah we're managing and uh it's a bible study class and uh, another systematic theology class so we're looking forward to getting into those got um i think maybe 15 people participating in that and um things are going well here in the gambia awesome so what's next for you guys um around here it's time for me to start planning for 2024 so i gotta put together my um sermon series plan for 2024 i really am considering preaching through the entire bible in one year um not chapter by chapter but book by book um so that's kind of what's on our agenda right now looking forward to the next year hmm. Yeah, I think for us, um, you know, uh, right now it's just kind of the same old things. Continue with uh, evangelism and discipleship. Um, a lot of discipleship and some evangelism. And um, really we're just focusing, looking for some key people uh, to disciple that uh, we might be able to start working on a church plant. Um, so my goal is really after we complete these classes in the next six months, um, to see who comes out of that and see if we can start to develop that and maybe start looking sometime next year into getting that started. Um, here at our guest house, you know, we have some, we have a big team that's coming soon. Um, so we'll need to prepare things for that. And, um, you know, just the normal everyday, everyday maintenance and things of keeping things going here. Right. Well, that gives our listeners some stuff to pray, pray about. I know we have some faithful saints who listen to us, who lift us up in prayer. I've been witnessing the fruits of people's prayers for a couple of decades now in ministry. And I certainly am grateful for those who, uh, who take us before the throne of grace as the old preachers used to say well it's funny most 
most people think, you know, being a missionary is exciting. And most of the time, it's really not all that exciting. You know, <laughs> our job is to talk with people. So that's what we do. You know, right. you spend a lot of time talking with people, but it's not always, uh, it's not always exciting. There can be excitement here, but I prefer not too much excitement because right. it usually causes problems. <laughs> right. Yeah. Excitement's usually, excitement usually comes in the form of trauma and drama. So, right. <laughs> there's a reason why the scripture says, be not weary in well-doing, uh, instead of, uh, you know, Hey, don't have a heart attack with all the fun you're having. So, <laughs> all right, well, let's, uh, let's see if we can jump into our topic for today. The title for our podcast episode today is gender war. And, um, for the listeners, you're probably like, oh boy, here we go. I've heard enough about that. Um, because it is a hot topic today. Um, these days, I should say, at least in our culture here in the U S um, from the woke crowd, it's one of those untouchable topics. You know, you have to just toe the, toe the line of what their transgender gospel calls for, or, you know, your name is Ichabod. Um, I guess I should ask, is that issue an issue in the Gambia at all? Or is it just, uh, you know, other brands of sinfulness? <laughs> well, I, I give an example. The, the last time I heard, you know, anything like this happening, I saw a, uh, a news article on Facebook and there was a man who I'm not sure where he's from in Nigeria, probably, or another another West African country. And he was right here in the Senegambia area. Uh, and apparently he was dressed like a woman. Uh, well, a crowd of people saw him and the crowd of people surrounded him and then they beat him up and then they took him to the police station and then he was arrested and put in jail because mm. that's illegal here. Right. Um, so <laughs> it's not uh, it's not a problem here. Uh, you, I mean, you never see it obviously, because if you do, that's what happens to you. So, right. so I just have to kind of pause in my little monologue that I have written out here and point out that there's, there's quite a contrast that's being demonstrated, uh, in the two different settings that you and I just described, you know, here in the U S we have the gospel, we have, uh, you know, lots of of churches, uh, lots of Bible preaching ministries. I believe lots of very godly people, lots of ungodly people too, no doubt. But here there's just this um, extremely high level of tolerance towards this kind of thing, um, transgenderism, or and you're, in that case, just being a transvestite, uh, which is not a term you hear very often anymore. Um, but in the Gambia, where the gospel is... I presume more muted and, and less known. Uh, there's more of an understanding of, of what in this case is not moral. I'm not saying that the response is, is proper, but um, do you see what I'm seeing? That there's, there's this strange twistedness to that. Yeah. It's, you know, in the Gambia, it's, uh, you know, 90, 90 to 95% Muslim. And in Islam, 
you know, morality is a very big thing, just like it is in Christianity. And in fact, a lot of our values are really the same, um, you know, when it comes to certain things, particularly that and uh, and a lot of other things. And you really don't have I'm not saying you don't have immoral behavior, but you don't have the the outwardness of immoral behavior nearly to the extent you do in the U.S. and in Western nations. Um, because it's just culturally speaking, it's not tolerated. Right. Yeah. And of, of course the, the Christian response, which I think we'll get to in here, uh, is, you know, is not, uh, what, what you just described. I mean, that's, it shouldn't be, um, from a, from a church's standpoint, from an individual Christian standpoint. Um, but still, at least they're recognizing what's moral and immoral. We're here sometimes uh it's difficult to to get people to recognize that there is a, a moral and immoral in our culture yeah for sure yeah so if i could continue here with what i had written out for our introduction it seems to me that the basic idea was once as far as transgenderism is concerned it seems to me that the basic idea was once something along the lines of this kind of reasoning some people are simply born in the wrong body so that's what I used to hear. Um, they're actually women, but physiologically they're men. So in the name of tolerance and compassion, you know, we should support their right to go as far as they want to go down the road of trying to be what they really are. That's the kind of logic that I used to hear. And, you know, as hard as that idea is for me to swallow, uh, that mentality has morphed into something, I would say, worse. Um as bad as that is, there there are perspectives that are even more extreme. And so now there's this gender fluidity idea where we're all encouraged to, you know, be a man or a woman or neither or both or, you know, something else just made up. And this can vary from day to day. Um, and on top of all that, the the battleground seems to be to me, primarily waged on our children now. And it's in the schools where this issue is, is the most dominant. And uh, so things have changed pretty radically. Yeah, it seems like um, a very tiny minority of the population is being able to control the majority of the population. <laughs> mm. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, among people that I'm familiar with, there's very few that have this kind of strange, they would call open-mindedness, that minority you're talking about. And yet it seems like it's everywhere. And every corporation that has any clout at all, it seems like uh, they have some kind of specific way of putting their stamp of approval on this brand of transgenderism. It's just, it's like you, you can't survive in the corporate world, it seems, without accepting this. And of course, they're well, in education yeah. and the entertainment industry and in government and all those areas. I was going to say, it's, it's actually gotten so bad that the governments in Western nations are now putting pressure on other nations like the Gambian and Africa to try to get them to agree with them. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just within, within their countries. Now they're saying, well, if you want our help, then you have to promote the same things that we are promoting and accept all of it. Yeah. Um, 
and that's happening all over the world where our government and governments in Europe are putting extreme pressure on other parts of the world to try to believe in the same woke uh, agenda that they have. Yeah. And they're, and they're putting it right into, uh, you know, the most common ground of living life, the um, compelled pronoun argument that they had in Canada a few years back where, you know, you, you have to use people's preferred pronouns. So if I, David, say that my pronouns are she, her, then you have to refer to me as she, her. And if you don't, then you're, you know, you're committing a crime. That was at least the target that they were aiming, aiming at, um, mm -hmm. which of course called, caused a big stir. Um, but even, even the culture that I walk in, which is Judeo-Christian, conservative, you know, patriotic country, you know, old fashioned for the most part, you know, that's kind of the, the culture that I, that I run in. Even that culture has changed so radically since the eighties and nineties when I was young, when we, when I, when I say we, I mean, the people I grew up with, when we were in junior high and high school, there were some tomboys and there were some, you know, effeminate teenage boys, but they were very few and they were viewed as outcasts. They might not have been harassed and hated, but they just were not included. And even when they were included, they were not given the liberty to be what they were trying to be uh, based upon their preferences and passions and desires and so forth. And, and it was virtually everyone else in their peer group viewed their way of living as strange. And it was not interesting to anybody that I knew of, at least if, if it was interesting, they weren't, they weren't public about it. And I don't think we did anything to try to change them to, for the most part, you know, and I'm not talking about the religious side of, of our culture, just the social side, but the way they were, the way they, they were, they were not approved of did seem to mute their expressions of effeminacy in the case of boys or, you know, trying, trying to be more tough if it was a girl. And so I'm not saying that everything, especially on the tomboy side, I'm not saying that everything that was going on was, was shady or, you know, unbiblical or something of that nature, but it's just the, the social acceptance of anything other than boys being masculine and, you know, girls being girly, the social aspect was, this is the way it is. And anything outside of this is not acceptable. Even though in many cases we were very ungodly, we just, this brand of ungodliness was, was not accepted socially. And of course that's changed now in, in schools, you can be accepted just by becoming one of these, you know, untouchable transgender teenagers. So things have changed quite a bit. So I think there's some obvious things that we should address. And um, I'm certainly not the master. I don't think you would claim to be either, but we're the ones with the microphones. So um, let's see if we can jump on some of these. What does the Bible teach us about uh, gender issues? I think there's some obvious things that, that we could point to in the Old Testament, transvestitism or men wearing women's clothing or women wearing men's clothing, which I think 
we can interpret that to me to be specifically men looking like women or women looking like men was forbidden in the law of Moses. In the New Testament, we have Paul specifically referring to effeminacy among males as being sinful and a trait that preceded the salvation of some of the believers. Uh, but what else do we know for sure from the Bible? What, what would you say if if someone came to you and say, "What is the and said, what does the Bible say about this gender issue? What would you point them to? Well, I mean, in the beginning of Genesis, we're told that God created male and female. Um, there's not more than two genders uh, to begin with. So that certainly speaks a lot to what, contrary to what the world is trying to currently say. I mean, that really should be common sense, I would think, but right. for some reason it's not. Um, I would also say that, um, you know, God wasn't confused when he created you, you know, and I, I'm not discounting what people's feelings are. They may very well feel the way they feel. So what the truth is, then we need to look to the Bible um, apart from our feelings. And, you know, I think the Bible is very clear, as you pointed out, Deuteronomy uh, says that, uh, you know, men shouldn't dress like women, women shouldn't dress like men. Um, uh, obviously, homosexuality um, is uh, forbidden in the scriptures. Um, so all of these things that are being promoted that surround the uh, this gender dysphoria. Yes. Is all contrary to the Bible. Um, and the Bible is just pretty straightforward on the issue. Obviously, it doesn't talk about uh, in the terms that we're hearing today, because it was written many, many years ago. But, you know, I think when you just look at the basic principle of there are men and there are women, uh, you're created one or the other. Um, God, you know, intends you to be who he created you to be and only in marriage. And, you know, it's, it's not really any more complex than that, but this, the supposed worldly wisdom that somehow, um, all of a sudden, you know, after however many years, uh, man has been around all of a sudden now in the year 2023, everybody seems to know better and know somehow know this new truth that there's more than two genders and you can be any gender you want to be, you know, I don't know how these people even get to a place of power or, or of anybody even listening to them because it's just so ridiculous. I mean, who, 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 if you said this statement 20 years ago, people would have just laughed at you and thought you were crazy and might've 50 years ago, they'd have put you in an institution and locked right. you up. Yeah. Um, you didn't become smarter. You're becoming dumber. Right. And that's, it's, it's incredible to me. I just don't, it, it really doesn't make sense. Um, I don't understand, honestly, what's happening. The only thing I can think is that there's a serious breakdown in families um, and what kids are being taught because this is just not normal uh, to be at the state that we're at now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, when, when compassion and tolerance are the only virtues remaining, uh, they themselves become horribly polluted, and that's what's happened. And I, I think Romans, Romans 1, 26 and 27 gives us the explanation of what has happened, because 
humanity rejects God as their authority and as their savior, because this is not just about judgmentalism or being judgmental and condemning people who are not like us. That's If that's all this is, then we're no better than the Pharisees. Uh, I have pity in my heart and and compassion and sorrow as I see people who are trapped in this. And I've dealt with people who have these issues and very unsuccessfully, frank, frankly. Um, but it has broken my heart to see them trapped in these perspectives. And that's right. We can, we can have, um, we can have compassion on people the same way we have compassion with people caught up in any sin. Exactly. But we don't, we don't deny that it's sin. That's the difference. These people are trying to make it acceptable and people that are preaching things contrary to the truth like this are evil and should be condemned and should not be tolerated by any Christians ever. And any Christian that's tolerating people speaking these lies, I have to question who they really believe in. Yeah. Because right. if you don't, because it's contrary to the Bible and it's, yep. it's not a debatable matter. It's, there's many things that can be debatable in scriptures. This is not one of them. This yep. is not a debatable issue. And um, I think there's a serious breakdown in our churches. I mean, I, I an example is the Methodist church. The Methodist church in America doesn't look like a church at all anymore. No, I mean, they might as well just be the world. They're no different. They agree with everything the world agrees with, and particularly these issues. You know, I mean, that's why the African Methodist church is trying to completely break away from them. Right. Um, And it's just sad that you have, you know, America that used to be the, you know, such a strong Christian nation leading the world as a Christian nation. And now we've got African churches that are having to break away and they're the ones who still are maintaining the truth while the, the American church, uh, so many of them are just, uh, just falling to the culture. And yeah. it's, it's very sad to me. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, Romans, I know Romans 1, 26 and 27 is specifically addressing homosexuality, which is not our topic uh precisely but transgenderism is just a platform upon which homosexuality and other expressions of de- sexual deviance and perversion is built so right. you know if you get a kid uh trying to become something they're not eventually their sexuality which is an expression of the gender uh becomes one of these other perversions and uh, Romans 1, 26 and 27 says, for this reason, because they rejected God as their authority, God gave um, gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust, one for another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. So, yeah, the Bible is very clear, and uh, Satan's strategy is always, of course, to pollute and to deviate, whether it's a great pollution and a great deviation or just a minor pollution and a minor deviation. It really doesn't matter to him, I believe, as long as he can get people to turn from the way that God has laid out as proper, then he has succeeded, and uh, that's really what's going on. So we kind of dipped into this a little bit already, but how do we properly respond to the paradigm of transgenderism, the movement as a whole, and how should we deal with individuals who we who we encounter 
Um, really, there's two questions here outside of the church when they've gone down this road to some extent, and how do we properly respond to this issue when it arises in the lives of individuals and families within the church? So I'm talking about the response to transgenderism, but really there's three things that I'm talking about there. The, the cultural movement, uh, the lost outside of the church, and then this issue when it arises in a family within the church. What would you say to that? Well, I think we first start with... <clears throat> Um, prevention, right? Uh, instead of uh, reactionary. I mean, it, it didn't happen uh, overnight, right? And I think what has occurred is we have a real issue in our families. Uh, and I'm see, I see it in Christian families, right? We need to be raising our children with proper Christian values. Um, and even more so when we have our public school system that's, you know, just teaching them complete garbage. Um, and I'm not saying you necessarily need to pull them out of the public school system, but I think we have to be very careful. And if you're going to have them in public schools, then you're going to, it's going to require a lot more work from parents um, right. and not just allowing the government to raise their children. Because when you do that, you're going to have some very, very confused uh, young adults, which yeah. is exactly what we have. Um, and so Christian uh, parents need to be raising their children in the faith and strong in the faith um, because i think that would solve at least within the church that would solve a whole lot of issues um, and it, it wouldn't have gotten maybe to where it is now as far as uh, dealing with the culture itself i don't think tolerance is the issue uh, or the answer i think being firm on what we believe is um, that doesn't mean we can't have compassion for people and individually, um, people who are struggling with this, um, you know, what they need is Jesus and we need to preach the gospel to yes. them. And yes. I would say it with any other sin that you're dealing with, um, I was just preaching a sermon last Sunday, uh, on part of this about becoming all things to all people. But one of the things I said was so many Christians, and this, this is a bigger issue uh, even here in Africa, because there's a lot of legalism out here and you'll have Christians that go out and they want to be the morality police, you know, right. they, they're not giving the gospel. They're just trying to correct everybody's behavior. And it's like, that, that's not helpful, you know, especially not for lost people. Cause that just goes in one ear and out the other. Anyways, if they don't have Christ, you're missing the point, you know? Uh, and so I don't focus on their sin their sin is is their issue i focus on giving them the gospel and allowing the holy spirit to convict them you know as they come to faith in christ and then discipleship and it's a process but um i think if we were reaching people that way instead of looking at them and condemning them along with their sin um we might find a lot more success in reaching people because their sin is you know uh sure it's different than other sin but it's everybody has sin. Everybody has major issues. Everybody has different problems. Um, some may, uh, you know, be more repulsive to you than others. Right. Uh, but the reality is, is there even one of those sins are still condemning you before a holy God. And, um, you know, so we need to have compassion for them and just give them the truth. I wouldn't say that we, uh, should tell them it's okay what they're doing, but I think my point is, is that we, don't need to go around trying to correct their behavior all the time. What we need to do is focus on building relationships and um, sharing the gospel with them. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I agree. People, people know for the most part, they, they know that they are wrong. Their conscience is uh, smiting them already. Our lives are a, are a testament, supposed to be a testament to holiness anyway, shining the light on them. So if we are using the law of God to point out people's sinfulness, it ought to be immediately followed with what you just said, the gospel. Good news, there is hope. Uh, God gladly will forgive you if you come to him in repentance and faith. So the gospel is certainly the answer. Yeah, I, I've, I I've, Go ahead. I mean, there might, there might be people that are really clueless, but I've never met anybody, at least that I've given the gospel to, that didn't realize they were in bad shape, that, yeah. that they they had sin issues, you know, they're, yeah. I've never met any there. They, most people recognize they have problems, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I've had one guy that I can think of who said, no, I'm a good person. I don't, I, I've never really done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and when I, I pressed him just a little bit, I was like, are you sure? What, what do you think? So the, the little things that you might've done that were a little bit improper. And he started giving a list. I've told you about this before. And three items into the list, he was embarrassed because of how horrible the things were that he had done. He had done. And he's like, well, I guess I'm not as good as I thought I was. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree. And I don't want to repeat everything you said, but I do want to point out one particular aspect. When we're talking to like our children, for example, uh, and even when we teach to to people who are outside the church, it's not just what we teach, but it's how we teach it. And, and it's how we exemplify what we teach. You know, if, if, if a man and a wife, if a husband and wife, a father and a mother say to their children, uh, well, the way the world is doing it is improper, but the father and mother are miserable all the time and they're, they're never happy with each other. Uh, and they don't exemplify the joy of the Lord and the joy in their relationship. Then why would the child believe what the parent is, is teaching? So it's, it's how we, it's not just what we teach, but it's how we teach it and, uh, and how we live it. So I think both of those things are incredibly important. Yeah, that's definitely true. Cause the world packages these evil things. Satan packages these evil things in, you know, bright, happy packaging. And, uh, at least from certain angles, the presentation that is given, you know, looks uh, appealing, at least to some people. So, and we've got stump, something that doesn't just, you know, look appealing. It's actually valuable. And once you get in it, there's, you know, tremendous happiness and joy that comes from doing things God's way. I'm 27 years married and, uh, I'm more in love than ever. And, you know, think my wife hung the moon. And I mean that I don't have to put it on. And I think if you ask my kids, they would tell you, you know, dad is very much in love with his, with his wife. And so, you know, hopefully that examples, um, uh, enough to cause my kids to want to grow up and have the same thing. Yeah. Leading by example is definitely, um, uh, very important. Yeah. So, um, again, my third question, we've already dipped into a little bit. What is the relationship between this thing, transgenderism and all other sexual deviations because there are people that would say ah you're talking about two different things there so you know we've got the homosexual issue which we've already brought up we've got sexual deviations that actually don't deal with this you know if you've got prostitution um 
you know, uh, fornication, adultery between heterosexual partners. Uh, how does all this relate? Well, it's all sin. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> that wasn't complicated, was it? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think all of it's a bit interrelated. Um, you know, I mean, there are differences to to varying degrees depending on what you're talking about. But you know, oftentimes before things got so confused that I don't even understand it anymore with these thousands of different um, genders or even unlimited number. I, I don't even know what that means. But uh, when it was just a man trying to be a woman or a woman trying to be a man that very closely related with typically with homosexuality. I mean, cause that was typically the reason. Um, and so those were basically almost totally connected most of the time, but I mean, all of them are, uh, besides sin, I guess they would probably all qualify as Paul says for sins against the body. Oh yes, uh, As he talks about in, um, that's in Corinthians, I think. Um, whereas other sins are not, but he says, uh, you know, sexual sins are specifically against the body, which causes right. uh, causes all sorts of issues, um, and it causes us very real world practical problems as well. Yeah. What, what do you What do you think that means? It's a sin against the body. I mean, it's certainly a a violation of the temple of the Holy Ghost. But I have some ideas of what else that might mean. Do you have something you've um, seen in that verse that stands out? No, what do you think? Well, like, for example, um, and I know this is a little crass, but there are actual, you know, physiological problems that come from male homosexuality. Uh, uh, yeah. That it, if, if this is, a, I assume, an adult audience, there's something called gay bowel syndrome, which is... Uh, directly related to that. And I think that's part of what it's talking about here, but sexual deviations, you know, um, sexually transmitted diseases. Uh, but even the appetite that develops, you know, if, if you commit fornication, the Bible says that if a man sleeps with a prostitute, then they are one flesh. And so right. then there's that desire to go back to those things that you never quite shake you know, even when you're um, married and happy and walking in the spirit, your body still wants and craves those things that you once had. And so you've you've put a, a hunger in there, um, an appetite for something that now you cannot satisfy. And I think personally, I think all those things are included in what he's talking about there when he says you've sinned against your own body. Hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. So sorry, folks. I know that was a little rough, but. Those things need to be pointed out. Um, you you pointed out earlier, by the way, that some some sexual deviants and some um, ways of of living our lives are repulsive to us, and some are appealing, but both sinful. That's an important observation. Just because something is repulsive to me, that doesn't mean that's the only thing that's sinful. Because there can be things that are appealing <laughs> to me that are also sinful. All right. So I'm not the definition of morality. I think yeah. that needed to be pointed out. Yeah. yeah. Like, for example, I think uh, many of us can look at uh, overeating and go, 
that doesn't look so bad. I mean, right. it's pretty enjoyable, right? <laughs> but gluttony is still a sin. Yep. I had all you can eat crabs last night. So I don't know. I have to go <laughs> back and look at that. Um, porn is something we haven't brought up. And I think it's a great example of um, how there's a relationship between all these things. Those who study the nature of how porn destroys people, they will tell you that pornography uh, never remains the same. If someone stays in pornography, there's a ratcheting up of intensity and people who are addicted to porn supposedly often will end up not being satisfied with whatever level of porn their their introduction into pornography was so they end up into violent pornography or sometimes child pornography and so uh, these deviations are connected and i think that's something that paul was dealing with there in romans chapter one where they they get increasingly deviant in their um, sexual misbehavior and um and so that that kind of brings me to the fourth question where is this going ultimately what is the end of gender confusion in a culture jesus returns <laughs> oh you went one beyond me all right hallelujah uh, yes that's true that's true um you know with with uh sin becoming like it was in the days of noah and people just living their lives in in uh utter depravity uh eventually yes God's wrath is uh, filled up and Jesus comes. But just before that, which is what I was pointing to, <laughs> um, I think the acceptance of pedophilia is the next step. Uh, the predominance of pedophilia and, uh, and violence, sexual violence being accepted. I believe that's um, the last stop off before destruction. And I believe we're headed there. And, I don't, I don't know what the timetable looks like, but um, that's, that's all that's left and how horrific and how horrible for a culture to end up in that place. Yeah. And uh, it could be, it could be that America is just and the West is destroying themselves. And yep. um, you know, Jesus is not coming back for a while. I have no idea. Uh, or he comes back before all of it, uh, before they, all destroy themselves but either way it's going to get destroyed so yeah. yeah one way or the other yep amen that's true and thankfully god is uh full of compassion and very long suffering not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance um but the day will come when he will say uh that's enough there's there's uh no hope for that for that group or no hope for the world i, I should say just like he said, there's no hope for the Canaanites, and he sent the Jews in. Uh, he's going to send the Jew in, Jesus Christ, to set things straight and to set up his kingdom. That's what we're looking for. In the meantime, Jesus saves. He can save to the uttermost all, any and all who come to him by faith. So that's good news. Yeah, you know, this is one of those topics that it actually... <clears throat> it reminds me how thankful I am raising my children in Africa right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's uh, 
I, when I think about having to go back and deal with issues of what I hear about and mm. people having their pronouns and all of that, I, I can't even imagine having to deal with it because I've, I haven't been there. So right. I can't imagine in two years coming back and someone telling me, uh, well, you need to call me it or yeah, what, right. whatever they want to, and I'm just, I'm really not sure how I'm going to react to that. <laughs> and I don't know how my children are going to react because they haven't, you know, it hasn't happened slowly for them. It's going to be all of a sudden it's in their face. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a lot more difficult to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, that's, that's a very practical, I totally agree there. And I, I'm just thankful that I've reared my children, but now I've got grandchildren to be concerned about. But I, I, I think that's a very practical question that people who are listening to the podcast are going to have. What do we do if someone comes to me and says, you know, I want you to call me she or Z or, or B or whatever else that they come up with. Um, and I think we have to listen to the Holy spirit in those moments to know exactly how to respond. Uh, I'm not saying this is the right response, but if someone were, were standing in front of me and said, by the way, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, he, I'm fee or whatever they come up with. I believe my response would be in this moment. I'll call you whatever you want me to call you, but that doesn't change who you are. And it doesn't change your responsibility towards God. And I want you to know, Jesus died to save you from whatever it is that's standing between you and God. And if you want to talk about it, I'll be happy to talk with you about it. So I don't know if that's the right response, but, um, you know, that's, that's where I would be right now. Yeah. I don't know what I would say. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. There's been some folks that, that I was like, I'm not sure what to call this person. Cause I can't tell what they are. You know? Oh uh, yeah. I've, I've had that before. Well, I got two years to think about it. So, right. <laughs> right. I have to say there's no hatred in my heart except for Satan. That's, uh, and for those who lead others astray, David mm -hmm. said, do not, I hate those who hate you. And you pointed to that earlier, that uh, for those who are leading others down this road, uh, there should be no patience. We should be we should be very fiery in our um, in our rejection of them and in our condemnation of those who lead people down these paths, false teachers and wolves and, you know, uh, antichrists. Um, they don't they don't get our compassion. They get uh, hellfire and brimstone even in our in our presentation of, of the truth to them. So there, there's a difference in trying to rescue a sheep and dealing with a wolf. Yeah, definitely. Well, I want to pray. Uh, this, this is a very weighty topic and extremely relevant uh, in our culture right now. So let me close with prayer. Father, we need wisdom. Um, we need the power of your Holy Spirit. We need to be pure vessels, uh, useful and usable in your hand. Um, I don't want to just um, pull away from the culture and go hide from all this reality. I want to be salt and light in the midst of a very crooked and perverse nation. I need your help. Um, I thank you for your grace upon us. Uh, you've put Patrick there on the coast of Africa, um, and 
he's preserved and his family's preserved from some of these battles, but he has his own battles uh, that he has to fight and things to protect his family from. And I'm thankful that um, you got me here on the Eastern shore where it's not quite as bad as in some other places. And I'm thankful that my children are, are um, out of school and they're adults now. But uh, in any case, we need your grace every day. And I know that some of our listeners, they have uh, close relatives and, and friends who have some strange perspectives on this and some who are even going down this road of transgenderism. And I just pray that uh, you would use those of us who are your children to help those who are being trapped by Satan and uh, to help them to be delivered. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died to save us from our sins. And I pray that you would um, use this eternal, everlasting gospel to rescue the perishing. Use us to declare this gospel with uh, great passion and joy. And uh, pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I guess that about does it. Thank you, Patrick, for spending some time with me today. Pray for God's blessings on you and your family and your ministries out there in the Gambia continually. To our listeners, no matter what platform you're listening to this podcast on, be sure to let others know about it and listen to other episodes. Like, share, subscribe, comment, review, etc. And uh, pray that we won't be uh, squelched. I don't know how much the uh, podcasting platforms use their technology powers to, uh, you know, review what's being said on the podcasts. I don't, I don't think we would be uh, shut down, but you never know. If it happens, it happens. We just got to declare the truth and let God take care of those other things. But anyway... While we have the platform and the opportunity, let's declare the truth. Let the truth be known. And uh, God bless you all. Hope you'll listen again next time.